In everything, we must learn to ask ourselves, what does God think about this? What does he say about it? What is written in the Bible? What does the Bible tell us? And then we conform our thinking to that which the Bible says, because at the day of the judgment seat of Christ, every one of us are going to be judged by whether or not we agree with the Bible and live our lives in an appropriate way conforming to the thinking of God as presented in the Bible. We will all appear at the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 And we will receive at that time for those things we have done on this earth, whether it be good or bad, and for our position concerning the Word of God, whether or not we agree with the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures, and what view we present to humans on this present earth. Before Jesus returns and the end of the world, we know because the Bible tells us that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 13, Paul says, Continue in the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in Christ. Agree with the Holy Scriptures, is what Paul is saying. We know things are worse today than they were in the World War II days, the 1940s, because sin is being openly approved by society and accepted by society in most countries of the world. Before God destroyed Sodom, sexual perversions were rampant among the city of Sodom. Quote, from every quarter, end quote, of the city, men came out to have sex with the two men who lodged with Abraham's nephew Lot in Sodom. Genesis 19. God described the men of Sodom as follows in Genesis 13 13 quote but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly end quote and because they were openly wicked and sinners and that reached God they weren't hiding their sins they were open in their sins God sent two angels to destroy Sodom. And that is what we look for at the end of this present world. How open are these sins today? On ABC Television News, during the last week in February, they had a story showing homosexuals, lesbians, transvites, 
parading as a group of people. Some had flags which showed rainbow color bands and apparently that's their flag today and they were waving their flags and they were demanding their rights. They are demanding their rights to live as sexual perverts, in other words. Pam even said to me, we were talking about this, and she said, it's got about five letters they call themselves, L-G, L-H, I don't know, a whole bunch of letters, and that's the name of their movement. And Pam said they should have a slogan that said, if you are a sexual pervert, this is the place for you. In 1945, after World War II, William Schreier, who was a CBS correspondent during World War II, wrote a book called The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. I've read that book a couple of times and am rereading it right now. And throughout that book, as he talks about homosexuals, he calls them sexual perverts. If William Schreier was writing that book today, he probably could not print that. That's how far we have moved away from the Bible since the end of World War II. And now today, I'm permitted to speak about homosexuals for one reason. I'm presenting what the Bible says, not what I think, what the Bible says, what God thinks, what he shows in the Bible that he thinks. And I'm conforming my life to what God presents and what he thinks because I belong to God and am a Christian. Therefore, whatever God thinks is what I think. And bit by bit as I go through life, I am conformed to the image of God by seeing what God has to say in the Bible and agreeing with that and making that my opinion. In the 1940s, another big change. Men and women did not live together sexually, openly. All these sins were present in the 1940 period, but they just weren't done openly. Now we have all types of biblical sins being done openly, and the people doing these sins are demanding their rights to do the sins and be accepted by society and be approved. There was a congressman a few days ago who had made his constituents angry over something that he had done. And he said, oh, it doesn't worry me. I'll just go out and get the homosexuals to support me and take their place. We as Christians, go by one thing only, and that is the New Testament Bible. Paul told us, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove 
the good will of God. That's in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. So we take the New Testament Bible and we conform our thinking to the New Testament Bible because that is what God thinks. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for us, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, so that we may be perfect in the sight of God. That's Second Timothy chapter 3. So we remember what the Bible says about these subjects, about homosexuals and lesbians. Here is what the Bible says. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For either, even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. That's Romans 1, 26 through 28. In 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, I believe starting with verse 9, Paul lists several sins and says those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. One of the sins listed is effeminate. I believe that has to be interpreted as homosexuals. They will not inherit the kingdom of God unless they repent and don't do those sins anymore. Now, before we were born again, many people, many of us, there were adulterers, there were fornicators, homosexuals, drunkards, haters, despisers of men. We did many sins, different sins. And of course, we were forgiven by the blood of Jesus. But after we've been enlightened to the truth of God, we no longer do those sins. In fact, we speak the word of God showing that these are sins. We don't hate these people who are homosexuals. We don't hate the adulterers. We don't hate fornicators. But we do not support them. We can't support them in their sins. If we supported them in their sins, we would not receive a full reward, says the Apostle John. Two sections of scripture. Let's look at the one in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Start at verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters 
nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God unless they repent and put aside those sins and speak the truth of God from the Bible concerning the sins. And now, Second John, start at verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Now, the doctrine of Christ, that's the New Testament Bible. Anything in the New Testament Bible that shows us how to live is the doctrine of Christ. Anything in the New Testament Bible that shows us sin is the doctrine of Christ. So whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. I know many people who attend churches and are members of churches who do not live in the doctrine of Christ. They put themselves into the church by being baptized or by joining the church, but they do not have God unless they live by the doctrines of Christ as presented in the New Testament Bible. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. He that lives in these scriptures, doing the scriptures, those are the people that are the sons of God. And the Apostle John says, If there come any unto you, And bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. Don't wish him well. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Recently, a woman asked me if I support gays and lesbians. And I was shocked, and I said, oh, no, I don't think so. I was so shocked I couldn't answer any more than that. We who belong to God live by the Bible. We agree with what God says about sin. And we do not support sin. James 4.4. Let's look at James 4.4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. A friend is somebody who supports you. And if you're a friend to somebody, you support them. I am a friend to Pam Padgett because she has demonstrated to me that she is of God because she turns to God and follows him and hears from him. 
But many people who attend church, they don't turn to God. They don't follow the scriptures. They don't do the scriptures. I would not wish them well, period, just because they go to a church. I wouldn't wish them well because I don't want to be partaker of their evil deeds or their possibility of evil deeds. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Every time we try to please the world in their doctrines which are opposite to the Bible, we take on the position of being an enemy to God. You can't have it both ways. So the apostle says, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world, a supporter of the world, is the enemy of God. My cousin and her two adult age sons came to visit me when I lived in Clovis, New Mexico. I prepared dinner and then I learned that her youngest son was dating a divorced woman. And in front of all, I said, listen, let me tell you what the Bible says. The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I don't care if these people are church people or aren't church people. They cannot flaunt their doctrine in front of my face without my correcting them. A man came to me once and he said, it's one of my neighbors when I lived in Lubbock, Texas. He is, was a Jewish man, and he came to me asking me if he could rent one of my bedrooms, the extra bedroom at my house. And I said, well, no, you can't rent my bedroom. You can use the bedroom if you need it. He said, well, we're having an anniversary party this weekend, and I don't have enough space to house the people who are coming to the party. And I would like for my wife's daughter and her friend to be able to stay at your house. And then it must have been the Holy Spirit that just quickened me to this, what's this her friend business? And I said to him, what do you mean her friend? He said, well, my wife's daughter is a lesbian, and she and her partner need a place to stay. And I said, oh, I can't have that at my house. Now, if you have a married couple and you want them to use the room, that would be fine. He said, well, I agree with you. I don't like this lesbian thing either. And he left my house. I didn't think any more about it. It was a long time, several months passed, and I didn't see him. One day I was going out to the garbage in the alley, and they lived right behind me. So their garage door opened onto my garage door. As I was taking my garbage out, their garage door opened, and I looked, and it was his wife. And I stopped in the alleyway to greet her, and she, at first, didn't back out of her garage. And then she backed out of her garage, and I greeted her, and I said to her, and how is Bernard? And she said, he passed away. And I said, I didn't know that. She said, yes, about a year ago. And then she said, I want to talk with you. I want to come talk with you. And I said, fine. She said, I'll be over tonight to talk with you. So I 
prepared refreshments and turned my porch light on so she could come in the back way, which is more convenient for her than the front way, and I waited. I was ready for her to come by 7 o'clock, and I waited and I waited and I waited and she didn't come. And finally, about 10 o'clock at night, I turned my porch light off because it was obvious that she was not coming to see me, and I closed the back gate, and then it hit me. This woman was angry with me, and she was coming to fight me concerning lesbians, and God spared me. So I was so grateful to God for turning her and not letting her come to my house. I lived at that location probably five more years And I never saw that woman again. It's not that we are going to go out in the streets, hopefully, and protest against adulterers and fornicators and drunkards and lesbians and homosexuals. These are all sinners. And every one of them could be saved if they recognize their sin and are touched by the Holy Spirit and turn to God and quit doing that sin. We're not going to go out in the street, I don't think, and protest against them as they go out in the street and protest for their rights to be sinners. But we don't support them. You don't support sinners. You don't approve them. Some churches today are approving them in their sins. They are not causing them to turn to God. They are saying, oh, we don't see anything wrong with being a homosexual. That's what that Catholic Pope said on television. And I screamed, what about the Bible at my television? We don't, we just don't support them. And if the occasion arises, we tell them this is what God says about the subject. And we, as Christians and children of God, we support what God says, and that's what we go along with. And we just keep presenting that which the Bible says when the opportunity surfaces in front of our face. As Pam was dealing with this problem of the neighbor asking, do we support homosexuals and lesbians, as she was dealing with this problem, she was reminded of Philippians chapter 2. We'll start at verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings, that's complainings, and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life holding forth the word of life. We do hold forth the word of life. I don't think we go from door to door and do that. But 
there are so many opportunities that present themselves, just like the neighbor who asked me, do you support gays and lesbians? We hold forth the word of life. Since that time, we mailed her a link to our podcast on homosexual lesbians. And then just today, I sent her this written material from this podcast. All the written material underneath the title of this podcast, where the podcast title is God Shows Me Things Are Worse Than I Thought Them To Be, all the writing underneath that title, I mailed to her. And I told her this. I wrote a little hand note up in the top saying, all that matters is what God thinks. And we as Christians line ourselves up to agree with that which God has presented in the New Testament Bible. This is our position. We don't want to be out there striving with these people and debating and disputing. We might have to do it a little bit. They come into where we are, into our presence, and they present something. We might have to present a pretty strong message. But it all has to be by the Holy Spirit. But we present truth. We hold forth the word of life, but we don't force it on them. But we do hold it forth. And if they come in our presence and show their lesbians, we're not going to sit there and silently support them. Any more than I sat there at our dinner table and silently supported my cousin's son who was dating a divorced woman. I warned him, if you marry a divorced woman, according to the Bible, you commit adultery, Matthew 5.32. I spoke the word of life. I wasn't looking to speak the word of life, but I certainly spoke it when I was confronted with the situation, as did I, to my neighbor who wanted to borrow my guest room so his wife's lesbian daughter and her partner could spend the weekend there at my house as they went to his anniversary. I didn't just stand there and make idle excuses as to why they couldn't use the room. I point blank said I can't have lesbians in my house like that. I wouldn't have allowed unmarried couples to live in my guest room either. We just don't partake of other people's sins by keeping silent when the sin is flaunted in front of us. But you must be led by the Holy Spirit who will remind you what to do. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.